Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Hello everyone, I'm Osama Wazni. I'm the section head of uh, clinical cardiac electrophysiology at the Cleveland Clinic. And I'm pleased to be joined today with Dr. Taragji, who is the associate section head of EP at the clinic and also the director of Digital Health Center at HVI. Um, it is my honor to have him here with me on this podcast from HVI. And today we will be talking about wearables in the treatment of atrial fibrillation. So let's take it up from the top, uh, Dr. Taragji. What, what is there a role for wearables in treating or managing patients with atrial fibrillation? Thank you, Dr. Wozni. Yes, the quick answer is absolutely yes. And uh, uh, look, as a specialty in electrophysiology, we've been in the face of this with a wave of wearables that for the first time allowed our patients and consumers to record their rhythm strips independently. Uh, without us ordering any of these devices. And many of our patients, as you know, they're coming to us with these devices. Uh, this is a concept that was very common for hypertension. People had access to blood pressure, but not for heart rhythm, and now they do. And for us uh, at the clinic, we, we saw the opportunity. We saw these devices, and uh, we took an active role, and we started testing these devices because even as clinicians, we need to learn about them. We need to learn about their accuracy, how easy for our patients to use, and that did not happen overnight. That happened through multiple studies um, that uh, we tried to assess. Well, do they work? Do they do the job? The second question is, can our patients use them? We're dealing with patient population who are in their 60s and 70s and 80s with arrhythmia. So is it easy to use? We tested the algorithm to know the good and the bad and how accurate the algorithms are. And finally, we started building uh, them uh, as far as our clinical work, try to find solutions, how we can embed them in clinical practice. So you have uh, you have written extensively on this. And to could you just summarize for us what you found from the patient's perspective and from our perspective? For example, from the patient's perspective, ease of use, satisfaction, and from our perspective, the physician's perspective, the accuracy, and also ease of use, and how to get to the data? Yeah, uh, these are great questions. And if I want to make a bullet point about uh, things that we learned over years, and like you mentioned through many studies, um, this is what I would summarize. These devices work. They will do the job for you. And uh, you can recognize this with any time you take a look at the first time when you see a smartwatch or, or one of those smartphone devices, they will record a rhythm strip for you. When it comes to the algorithms, as you know, many of them, they come attached with a machine learning algorithm that provides you with instant diagnosis um, to say whether it's possible AFib or not. The algorithms are actually very good, and especially when it is normal, they do a very good job, uh, but they're not perfect. I mean, we, we should not have extremely full confidence or high expectations. We don't do this for 12 lead ECG, as you know. We we still take a look and we don't rely on the computer reading the ECG for us. So the algorithms, they work, but they're not perfect. And for any diagnosis that is made by the watch or by the device, you still need the physician overread before you take action. Let's talk about patients. And it, it's funny when we did, when I reflect at the first studies we did in 2013 and 14, we, we forget how fast the technology is moving. And we started enrolling our patients after AFib ablation, as you know, uh, Dr. Wozni, you were on the senior author on that paper at that point. And we, uh, many of these patients had smartphones, 
they actually had phones that happened to be smart, but they never used the smart features of the phone. <laughs> yes. um, they never had uh, a uh, Google Store account or Apple Store account. So, but once you show them how to use it, they would embrace it and they will surprise you how well our patients can use it. And we did and learned this from over and over. Actually, our older patients, they do a better job by being, uh, by following the instructions and being compliant. So let's not blame the patients that they're not going to be able to use it. That's a myth. They will use it. They probably need some education, but they will use it. And, uh, and but, you know, finally, these are, uh, and how can be an asset? Many opportunities, making the diagnosis. We all had the patients that they keep running to emergency rooms trying to capture a diagnosis. Great tool for those intermittent, infrequent episodes to capture an episode. And as you know, AFib is a chronic condition. You need to do a cardioversion. You need to do an ablation. And this is when these tools can become a great asset to follow these patients chronically. So you have been instrumental in our ability to incorporate these variables into our day-to-day -day activities here at the clinic. And we, I keep uh, getting these questions from our colleagues uh, everywhere. Is How do you incorporate it? How do you make a workflow that works uh, from you know the beginning of from the patient having it? And also uh, an important aspect to it is, are you able to, for example, get reimbursed for the work that goes into this? So this is a very important topic that I think our colleagues uh, would be interested in. Oh, absolutely. And uh, look, um, you know, fortunately, this is where you don't see much help from uh, companies. You know, having a good device with good recording is part of the solution. But to make it part of your clinic day in a busy practice, um, the main question here, uh, which is a great question, how can you scale it? How can you scale it to take care of many patients? Because a lot of the examples, Dr. Wozni, as you mentioned, they, they and we've seen this in presentations, they turned into examples of concierge medicine with, yeah, you can provide it for select patients, but that's not what we do. We take care of our all, all our patients and you need to scale it. And this is when you need to be creative about software solutions and not just the device itself or the recording itself. When we started doing these studies, we didn't have these solutions and we were relying on patients emailing us these recordings. And that's still the case in many other institutions. Not sustainable, very difficult, and quite frankly, dangerous because you get random emails from patients that you don't know who these patients are. And sometimes we had examples, real examples, when somebody's using their spouse's phone and you get an email from a completely different name. So that was not sustainable. We worked hard on providing solutions. And one of the things that we did, we built a platform that is cloud-based platform when we have one of these wearables, when you enroll the patients to uh, to uh, to this platform through our system, uh, all the recordings uh, automatically get uploaded to the cloud. So there's no need for those emails back and forth. When you as a patient record, immediately your recording will be up on the cloud. And for me in my office, I have access to that platform that we built and I can access all the recordings quickly. We actually made the, the platform itself uh, user-friendly to the point that by quick scroll, you can see all the recordings that that patient took over the last few months. That helped us a lot. And that took our virtual visits from being just a glorified phone conversation with the video to a completely different level when you support your virtual visit with recordings. And that will be more impactful than one visit with one single ECG. You touched no, on another important point. Who's paying for all this? And that that is still, uh, 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 st still an issue. Um, we don't have a clear reimbursement model, but that is changing. 
there are new Medicare uh, reimbursement models for how when you monitor physiologic parameters recorded by patients. Um, frankly speaking, we we're still in the learning process about these billing codes, but I, I agree with you completely. In order to be able to scale it, you need the workflow solution, you need the platform, and also you need clear reimbursement models to enable us to provide this care to all our patients and not just a select few. Perfect, perfect. And in that vein then, what are your thoughts on the futuristic AFib clinic, for example? How can we build uh, the AFib clinic of the future? And what yeah. would that entail? Well, the future is here. And we actually did the study and we called it the AFib clinic of the future. And that uh, was published um, just this month at, in the cardiovascular digital health uh, journal. What is the concept? The concept of AFib future clinic is as follows. The example that we used uh, is a patient population after AFib ablation. Uh, when they come for their four months follow-up after the visit, and we monitor these patients after the, the ablation with traditional monitors. We call it the transtelephonic monitor. Many of these patients, when we review these recordings at four months after the ablation, they actually do very well, and all the recordings are normal. That's the patient population that we targeted. And our guidelines now, for example, they say, well, keep seeing them every six months with intermittent holders as needed when they have symptoms or every six months you might order a holder. We said, well, let's compare that standard of care, but let's also create another group when we actually provide them with a smart EC, smartphone ECG recorder with that platform that I mentioned, but not only the platform and having access. We actually programmed the platform in a way that if it is normal recording, it does not come to my immediate uh, uh, attention, but if it gets flagged as possible AFib, it comes to my in basket for my attention. And so this is taking not just the device, but also the platform and also leveraging artificial intelligence to flag the abnormal so you can see those in a more urgent way. And also you have access on demand for all the other recordings. And what we learned after six months that you will be able to detect more AFib when they use the smartphone at an earlier time. Now, because of the sample size, it was not statistically significant, but the trend was very clear. But the important point where we made the difference, the group that used these technologies and the smartphone coupled with the platform, we actually needed much less use of other traditional monitors. So there's a huge component of uh, cutting down healthcare costs, providing better care, if not at least equal care, but I challenge you that's also better care with more patient satisfaction, leveraging all these tools that we have available. Thank you so much. Uh, look, I really think that this this is the way of the future. I mean, we're already living it, but this is the way of the future and uh, there is no going back. This is it. So we're going to be relying on these wearables. We're going to be the, the patients are going to be our partners in in uh, in managing their health and they like it. They like it. And then we're also going to be seeing them virtually just as we are now having our uh, discussion here, our podcast. Um, so any final thoughts? Uh, before we close? Um, yes, yeah, so I think, that, well, thank you for the opportunity. It's always great to talk to colleagues, and I think wearables could be an asset. A lot of us view this as burden, and I understand uh, we're all busy, and um, the, to be able to manage that flood of data coming to us, you really need a system to do it and do it properly. Um, uh, you know, again, for all of us, just a reminder, we don't hold the keys anymore. Many of our patients are coming to us already to clinic 
equipped with these devices. Many already carry the diagnosis already. So embrace it and accept it. You're taking care of not only the patient of today, but also the patient of tomorrow. And I think these devices could be a great asset if they are used intelligently and the future is bright for us in electrophysiology. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Tarekji, and uh, we will wrap up now. Please join us for upcoming uh, HVTI podcasts from the Cleveland Clinic. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. West. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash cardiac consult podcast.